0: for that time. Matthew chapter 5, and if you would stand with me for the reading of God's Word. Matthew chapter 5, verse. we'll read verses 1 down to verse 9. Matthew chapter 5, 1, all the way down to verse 9. We'll read it aloud together, please. Once you've found that, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Stop right there let's bow in prayer. Father, we do thank you for this greatest message ever preached. Jesus didn't just say it in passing. He meant for it to be pondered, learned, and lived. God, teach us about the kingdom of God this morning. Teach us about our own attitudes and about a way of living that is beyond. It is far greater than just the Ten Commandments. It's far greater than just our best efforts. It is a way of life for the Christian as they walk in the Spirit. Would you bless uh, our learning this morning, and that, Lord, we would be obedient in yielding to a changing work in us, a transforming work that does not leave us the same, God, especially when it comes to peace, because we need it, in Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. Okay. We're in the Beatitudes here. We're learning how to live in the kingdom of God. Jesus is just beginning chapter 5. Now we're taking basically every Beatitude during a Sunday because these aren't, these these are power packed. There is a ton of things that we just sort of never ponder. And I I intend for you to truly ponder the meaning of these Beatitudes. We're focusing this morning on Beatitude number 7. There are eight. In this series, here and number seven says, Blessed are the peacemakers. Now, there are three kinds of people in this room. Now, I know you can hear a lot of summaries of people's nature, but let me describe for you in relation to peace. There are peace breakers. You ever met a bully? (laughs) There are peace breakers. There are also nose breakers, and anyway, Uh, there are peace breakers. There are peace fakers. Meet a politician. And there are peacemakers. Now, peacebreakers love an argument. They're quick to fight. As a matter of fact, <laughs> they don't mind if they win or lose. They just like to get into a fight. Okay? If you've ever seen a, a schoolyard fight, you know what I'm talking about. Two kids start going at it, and what does everybody else do? They run to it. Okay? Peace breakers have a sharp tongue. They feel compelled to to give their opinion and make sure everybody knows they're right and everybody else is wrong. Peace breakers manipulate, cut down one another. They wreak havoc on families. They reduce families to burned out battlefields instead of places of rest. Peace fakers, well, they just keep quiet. They never stand for anything. in case they actually do get into a fight. These are the kind of people who deny that they have a problem. They always are giving in to other people's anger and pushiness. They basically become distant family members. They just sit there and they try to just be at peace with everybody. Those are peace fakers. Now we don't normally find fault with them because they kinda don't add to the fuel. You understand what I'm saying? But Jesus doesn't say, blessed are the peace fakers. He says, blessed are the peace. Okay, hey, peacemakers are the kind of people that draw on God's grace and they practice the powerful principle of peacemaking that God has taught us in his word, as I'm going to show you. They make real peace. By the way, that's probably the most work you've ever imagined, trying to bring peace into a war zone. Look at how many peace treaties have been signed over the years, and how many people have tried to bring peace into war zones. It is a lot of work, and it's not magic. It takes work. But it is the surest way to preserve your marriage if you have at least one person being the peacemaker in that home. Now, which one of those are you? Are you a peace breaker? You'll have a good fight. Or are you the quiet one that always just pulls back when there's an argument? Or are you a peacemaker? Most people have no idea of what real peace is or looks like. Let me give you a a definition of of, uh, uh, here of what peace is. Peace is being free from agitation and frustration. Can we agree with that? (laughs) It is being free from the grip of fear and of even terror. It is being free from the need for anger. You don't need it. And you have no anxiety. And you just have something called quietness of mind, a tranquility, a calmness. It is conscience at rest. No stress, no worry, just peace. Real peace is very rare, would you agree? It's very hard to achieve. That's why there are a lot of books on marriage counseling, (laughs) because it's hard. You can't just say, oh, I'm just going to do this, one, two, three, and it's done. Only God's people experience real peace. I know a lot of people can have the absence of of an argument. They can have the absence of conflict, but real peace is very rare, and only God's people have it. Go to Psalm 29 here in your Bible. We'll look at some scriptures here. Middle of your Bible, Psalm 29 and verse 11. Psalm 29 and verse 11. The Lord will give strength unto his people. The Lord will bless his people with what? All right, it's something that God gives. Go to Psalm 37 now. Psalm 37 and verse 37. Mark the perfect man. Take note of that perfect man. And behold the upright, the godly. For the end of that man is not stress, but it's what? It's peace. Another one, Psalm 119. Still in the book of Psalms. Psalm 119 and verse 165. Psalm 119, 165. Great what? Here we are. Great peace have they which love not EastEnders and doesn't love YouTube and love the Discord. Great peace have they which love God's law and nothing shall offend them. Isaiah 26. You're in Psalms. Go to the right. Find a book called Isaiah chapter 26 and verse 3. Isaiah 26 in verse 3. When it says, thou, it's speaking to God. It says, thou will keep him in, what's the what's the kind of peace? Alright, we've got great peace. Now we've got perfect peace. Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed or locked on to thee, who thinks about you, because that person trusteth in thee. So there is <laughs> Perfect peace for the believer. Psalm 32, back to Psalm 32. Psalm 32. And I want to show you that this is, this is for the believer, for the Christian. Psalm 32 and verse 17. Hmm. There is no 17. What was I thinking? I forever I have no idea where it is maybe it's Isaiah. Isaiah let me try I thought it was in line let me try Isaiah 3217 yes Isaiah 3217 all right Isaiah 32:17 says this and the work of righteousness shall be what? the result of doing something right is peace. And the effect of righteousness is two great things. Quietness and assurance forever. Sin never gave me that peace. Sin never gave me quietness. Sin never gave me um, a a, um, assurance. As a matter of fact, sin slowly scares you because one of these days you're afraid you're going to get caught. So But the work of righteousness is peace. So, that's not so with the godly. You're still in Isaiah. Go to Isaiah 57 now. Isaiah 57. In verse 20 and 21. Isaiah 57, 20 and 21. But the wicked are like the troubled sea. When it cannot, what's the next word? All right, so the opposite here is somebody who can't rest whose waters only cast up mire and dirt. There is no peace, saith my God, to the wicked. John, the Gospel of John. John chapter 14. John 14 and verse 27. All this to say this, that peace is a priceless gift of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus says this, and you ought to write it down somewhere in your house. You ought to put a star around it in your Bible, square it off, make sure you remember this. Peace I leave with you. My peace, Jesus said, I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, therefore neither let it be afraid, because I have peace for you. So, it's a priceless gift. Now, when we're talking about that's peace now, let me give you some background on peacemakers. You see, there, there's a lot of confusion about peacemaking. We think peacemakers are pacifists only. We think that peace, peacemakers are people who believe in the absence of conflict. That if we could just have no more war, then we'd have peace on the earth. That is stupidity. You can't remove war. <laughs> You have to change hearts. You see the difference? If you just took away all the weapons, they got rid of guns, and there are more knife, knifings and, and, and killings in, in England right now because of stabbings, and they're, they're trying to remove knives. And they, next thing they are going to do is they are going to remove pencils because you can still stab with a pencil. You cannot fix conflict until you change hearts. Is that understood? But there are people that think peacemaking means if we could just get rid of the guns, if we could just get rid of the knives, if we could just remove national borders, we'll all be fine. Are you kidding? I'd like to see you leave your doors and your windows unlocked and see how fine you'll be. You can't live without walls and doors and limits and borders, but people think peacemakers expect us to just all get along. Well, we're not. Peacemaking is very confused. They think that, uh, mo- well, let me just say this. Most people who live under constant conflict, they just, they just think that if they would just give in, they'll have peace. No, you won't until the next conflict. Something has to change. So you'll always have people who say, well, why don't you just walk away? Why don't you just, like I remember, uh, I had a bully. His name was Clifford, it was my bully. He, he had several people he targeted, and I was one of them, and there was no walking away from the bully. I tried. I ran. He caught up. He was twice my size, and he was my age <laughs> as a kid. But people think if you just walk away, oh, you'd have peace. No, you won't. I really know that most people really aren't doing very well at peacemaking because they don't understand what it is. Secondly. There is the meaning of being a peacemaker that's very important. It is to bring peace. A peacemaker brings peace between two enemies or to two people who disagree. It means to reconcile or reunite two enemies. A peacemaker resolves differences so that two enemies can now live in harmony. I I thought about this. No one has ever been converted and changed by violence. Would that be true? Do you know what got me? Do you know what got my attention about Jesus Christ and about the Bible and about God about heaven and hell? You know what? God's justice scared me. Hell scared me. But it didn't change me. You know what did? Jesus trying to save me. Trying to make things right between me and God. And we weren't right. So... Con, uh, uh, conflict is not overcome by, by violence. Conflict can be corrected by a peacemaker. I'll talk about that. Um, the difficulty of peacemaking. There is a high cost to everyone involved in an argument, especially the person who tries to bring peace into it. Do you know it's easier just to stay at war? Would you agree? It is, it is easier to just, just stay angry than to try to fix things. Psalm 120, don't go there, but Psalm 220, verse 7, David writes, I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. <laughs> Is that normal? Come home at night? <sighs> Where have you been? <laughs> Hi, honey. <sighs> Take care of the kids. Okay. Are you listening, Beth and Weston? Woo-wee! Weston's going to text, I'm on my way home. Is everything okay? Or do I go around the block? <laughs> There's a high cost in making peace. When people are disagreeing or fighting or just agitated, you know, we usually end up wanting, we want the destruction of our enemy. <laughs> we want them to be defeated. We don't want the fellowship with our enemy. The truth is we humans are normally at, at, at peace at having war. We don't mind being at war. We, It is our nature to fight. It is our nature to argue. It is our nature to demand our rights in our own ways. That's why politicians love to agitate people and come in and say, the current government is not giving you what you should have, don't they? And they agitate everybody. Because they don't want to come and say, you know what, this government's doing pretty good. I think I can kind of tweak it. Nobody will vote for them. People love and they, they love to be stirred up. To, I'm gonna, you're in now. I'm, I'm going to put you in so they can get them out. It's very difficult to be a peacemaker. That's why Jesus said, blessed are they. We may think everything is fine between us and somebody else most of the time. But the truth is, if there's any peace in your home, if there's any peace at your work, or if there's any peace on your social media, it'll only be because there's no conflict at the moment. That's it. I find that no one seemingly seems to really want peace, and even fewer want to be peacemakers. Have you not discovered that most everybody is offended at everything? Our generation today loves being offended. You know? Well, I just got news for somebody who's been offended at what I say. I say, I'm offended at the fact that you're offended. <laughs> Doesn't work. Doesn't work. But you know what the truth is? We're offensive. To God, we're so offended about other people, but we forget the one person we have offended every moment of our life. We have been against God, our our very nature is against God. Our flesh, our nature lives in direct opposition to the Spirit of God. Go to to Galatians chapter 5, Galatians chapter 5, and verse 17. For the flesh, that's you, that's your nature, that's your body, your stomach, your thinking, everything about you. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit. Be like if if, uh, if if let's put two of your kids and they're nine years old and they're in a toy store and you tie them together and one of them likes. The, you know, the, the skateboards. And the other one wants to go over and and, and see the, you know, the action figures, stuff like that. And the two of them are going in two different directions and they will kill each other to get what they want. Amen? And my flesh wants one thing and the Spirit of God in me wants another thing and we don't get along. So if anybody is qualified to be schizophrenic, it's a Christian. Because we are, the Bible right there says it, These are contrary, the one to the other, so that she cannot do the things that she would. You want to do this, and the Spirit won't let you. The Holy Spirit inside you wants you to do this, and the flesh won't let you. Anybody been there lately? It's difficult making peace when there is just conflict. We don't naturally know how to get along with someone who disagrees with us. So we need supernatural intervention. Because without it, we have no hope. Now peacemakers are a special kind of people. Isn't that what Jesus said? Blessed are the peacemakers. He's identifying eight groups of people in that crowd. He's inviting to walk in a new kingdom called the kingdom of God and he says, those of you who seek to to be a peacemaker, you're blessed. You're a special kind of people. You know why? because you go out of your way to reconcile enemies. You ever tried that? You ever seen two people arguing and try to step right in the middle of that and ended up you being hit? (laughs) You realize how hard it is to work through everything that both sides are saying, trying to make sense of it all, trying to resolve it all, trying to get it all forgiven, trying to bring fellowship into that mess? It takes a special kind of person to want to get into that, amen? (laughs) It's just not easy. Peacemakers are special because they seek to restore what the world says throw away, like marriages and families. You know, a peacemaker will never give up on someone and never give anyone an excuse for all the wrongs and hurts. doesn't matter. You know, a peacemaker does sit there and listen to one side and go, yeah, 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 you ought to poison him. And I got the poison just for him. Peacemakers... Don't give anybody the excuse to walk away from a marriage or a conflict. Says, Let's work it out. Peacemakers don't help anyone execute justice and revenge. Peacemakers just always believe God can and will restore all things. He can bring back the dead. So don't be so quick to go, well, it's impossible. No, no, no. A peacemaker never believes that. A peacemaker says, I want to restore that. I want to repair that. I want to be a fixer, not a breaker. That's why Christian counselors are pretty cool because they actually can help. Don't be afraid of them. Sometimes getting to be having the ability just to talk and have somebody else repeat what you just said, and you go, "Wow, oh, that was stupid," because <laughs> they believe in putting things back together again. Another thing that that peacemakers do is they build bridges across infinite distances. My dad was a, was a civil engineer, I got to see him on the job and I got to see plans. He helped design bridges that went across hundreds, hundreds of meters of, of, of ravine. And he's designing bridges that were self-supporting because they had this huge arc across both sides of the highway and it held up this suspended bridge by these cables. It was amazing to look, still is knowing it today. My dad designed some pretty cool bridges. But that's nothing compared to trying to bridge two enemies who don't even want to look at each other. Amen? Peacemakers listen and learn and help people change. They just don't come in with all guns firing, telling people what they need to do. A good peacemaker sits and listens, picks up on all the nuances takes a lot of notes. The, the peacemaker actually does what the two people who are fighting have not done in a long time. That's actually listen to each other. And like a good coach, they stay with people through all the needed changes. It says, all right, this is what we need to do, and I'll be here to help you do it. That's what a peacemaker does. A peacemaker says, you know, I'm not going to tell you what to do. I'll help you. They see more than the problems that exist between two people. They actually see what God meant for those two people to be, or that group to be. You know what the devil wants? Absolute, total destruction. That's all he wants. Every temptation that the devil ever gave you, every avenue for sin Satan ever dug for you, always led to your ruin. He never helped you one thing with a cigarette. He never helped you one thing with a drink in your hand. He never helped you one time on the internet trying to find out what's on there. He never meant for your benefit. So he's not a peacemaker. He's a peacebreaker. But when it comes to a peacemaker, a peacemaker says, "Your, your marriage is a wreck. Your life is a wreck. But God didn't design you that way. Let me show you how God designed you. And that peacemaker says, I see how God wants this to work out. That's faith. And Jesus actually looked out at that crowd and he says, we need some peacemakers. Peacemakers actually make a difference to the core of people's lives. One one counselor listening to a husband and wife having an argument, really it was just the wife, just talking, talking, talking. For an hour the counselor sat there, and so, when she finally took a breath, and that's not always a woman, don't worry, I'm just, and some of you women are looking at me going, ah, at the mouth, wanted to stop me, but I was just reading this, just follow me. Counselor, who was a woman, said to the man, says, I'll be right back. It went back and brought out, she said, this is a gift for my husband, gave, her, gave him a roll of duct tape. <laughs> says, the only hope for you guys to survive is to stop that woman from talking. Now, I don't believe that that's right. Because if you just stop the, stop the arguing, does that fix the core issue? No. You see, a real peacemaker says the core issue is somebody's hurt and the other person doesn't know it. That's a core issue. You understand? Somebody needs to be able to look into a, a home or a, or a conflict And there's a core issue that needs to be changed. A lot of people are trying to do things in their flesh. They've never walked a day in the Spirit of God. And so in the flesh, they fail. In the flesh, they're defeated. And the core issue is learning how to live in the Spirit. Amen? So uh, uh, peacemakers are a special kind of people because they work on the core issue. Not just on stop her from talking. (laughs) Or stop him from always leaving. Or stop... Him from always putting his fist to the wall. No, no, that's you can't. You can't just tie up. Can you imagine a husband and wife just tied up in 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 uh, duct tape and they you I know mean, go home, be at peace. Core issue. Core issue has to be addressed. I think the world is in need of a lot of peacemakers today. Would you agree with that? And it's not going to Oprah Winfrey's not going to help you. We need somebody that knows you that's why god gave us churches god gave us local people and paul was very particular he says if you got a conflict pick the person who is the most unlikely to be smart pick the least significant person in your church and ask them what you should do with your conflict that's what paul said because that child or that teenager probably have better biblical, especially in the Bible-leaving church, better biblical advice than all the people you could go for seminars for a 100 years. Christians need to be peacemakers today. Now, there are lots of examples of peacemakers. The Bible's full of peacemakers, like Abraham. Now, we won't go there, but Abraham had trouble with his nephew Lot. And... There was a lot of conflict between the shepherds that Lot had working for him and Abraham had shepherds working for him. There were thousands of sheep and they were kind of getting mixed and the two sets of shepherds were, were fighting one another. That's my sheep and all no, that's my sheep and this is our land. And Abraham sat down with Lot and said to Lot, Lot, we need not to fight. We're brethren, we're family. This is not right. Listen, you see all that land over there? Why don't you go that way? If you want that land, I'll go this way. Now, if you want that land, I'll go this way. He didn't care. What was Abraham doing? Trying to make peace. Trying to say, look, let's 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 not try to just be too close. We need to give a little bit of space and allow each of us to have our farms and have some limits, and we'll get along a whole lot better. And Abraham was a peacemaker. He was trying to think of, instead of trying to crush his nephew, and he could have because he was older, he was in charge, he said, no, no, I'm going to give you the respect of... What would you, which side do you want to go on? Which, which land? And that was an act of peacemaking. Isaac in Genesis chapter 26 is really cute. He and his men are, <laughs> it's a desert, so they've got cattle. Isaac's got all of his dad's cattle, plus cattle. So he's got a huge cattle farm, sheep and, and oxen. And he's uh, going through the area of the Philistines. And he's, uh, his men say, we need some water. And so they started digging wells. But as soon as they dug wells... The Philistines would come and they'd fill them in. So they'd go over and they'd dig another well. And then the Philistines, overnight, they'd come in and they'd fill it up. And time after time, there was conflict there. No matter what Isaac tried to do, the Philistines came in and they ruined it. So Isaac, instead of going to war with the Philistines, he moved on and he went to another area until he actually dug two wells that nobody conflicted with him about. One was called Rehoboth and the other was called Sheba, and actually turned got, became known as Beersheba. By the way, B-E-E, B-E-E-R, Sheba, is not beer Sheba. <laughs> Hebrew, the, the, the word beer is a Hebrew word. It means water. So it's the water of the oath that, that, that he made with the people of Gerar. But Beersheba and Rehoboah, uh, Rehoboth, Rehoboth, um, Isaac just kept going on, trying to serve God, trying to do right. When people attack you and are offended at you, make sure you're just right with God and just keep going on. Even if you seem like you're wasting time, even if you think like nobody understands, even if the devil keeps tearing up everything you try, keep going. That's a peacemaker. You'd be surprised. He didn't want to go into conflict with the Philistines. Another guy, I'll give you a great illustration, is Joseph. If you remember, his brothers severely hated him, so much so they said, let's sell him. I... I had some arguments with my brother, but he never wanted to sell me (laughs) to a passing caravan, you know. But Joseph's brothers actually sold him into slavery down to Egypt, where he was in prison for over 20 years. They thought he was dead and gone. But 22 years later, when they end up in, in Egypt looking for some food, because up in Canaan they had a famine, he sees them. And instead of seeking revenge... For all his hurts, he actually made peace with his brothers. He didn't wait for them, by the way, to do the right thing and to say, Oh, Joseph, we're so sorry. Joseph, we were so wrong. No, you know what Joseph did? Years ago, he had already forgiven them. So that when he met them, it was easy for him to say, I love you. He was a peacemaker. He did not allow the hurt of someone else to ruin his relationship with them. Joseph was a peacemaker. There are a dozen more. Uh, Abigail is a great illustration of somebody who saved her entire household by wise intervention of speaking very wisely, carefully, and every one of us should learn from Abigail. Another person, a guy named Phineas, who God was about to bring destruction on thousands. It was already on, in progress there. God's people were in serious trouble. And Phineas, you ought to read the story. I won't take you there. But he intervened, and he got rid of public sin right in front of all the people. God said, all right, that'll work. (laughs) And a lot of people's lives were saved because Phineas intervened. He didn't just sit by the side and go, well, I'm not getting involved in that thing. All the Old Testament high priests were, their job was to atone for God's people. Now, I want you to understand that word atonement. Atonement is sort of, a funny way of defining it is at-one-ment, which means two enemies, me and God, can be made at one in a moment by a third party and your third party was a sacrifice when that lamb was sacrificed God's wrath was just was was poured out and it was satisfied so that God could turn away and says okay now I accept you because uh, uh, disobedience a a, a a crossing of a law a sin must be judged you break a window you need to pay for it to be fixed would that be true well, when it's paid for, how can there be any more argument? So that lamb or that sacrifice, and the high priest was constantly <laughs> his full-time job, making things right between God's people and God. The Bible is a record of God making peace with mankind. Thank God that He's a peacemaking God. Now, the greatest peacemaker, Romans chapter five. Go to Romans chapter five and verse one, is Jesus. Romans chapter 5 and verse 2. I'm sorry, verse 1. Just verse 1. <clears throat> Therefore, being justified by baptism. Is that what it says? No. Therefore, being justified or made right with God by my church. That's not what it says, is it? Therefore, being justified by Faith, just what I believe about Jesus, we have peace now with who? With God, but it's through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, truth is, all of mankind is in trouble with God. I know uh, Weston's thinking his child's gonna be different than him, but your kid is going to teach you about what your mom had to put up with beyond words. You're thinking this little girl getting born, she's perfect, she's going to be a doll, she's going to obey and you're going to find out she ain't. You're like your mother. (laughs) (laughs) You know, mankind is, we are rebels toward God and toward His will. I mean, from birth, men are born into trouble, women are too. Men are at war with God. Don't be deceived into thinking everything is honky-dory simply because God hadn't killed you yet. Just because God lets you smoke 60 cigarettes a day doesn't mean that he, he thinks you're doing right. Just because you're doing, God's letting you get away right now with wrong doesn't mean that you're not in trouble with God, amen? Carnal, self-loving Christians are at war with God. James, your in Romans, go to the right, find James chapter 4. James chapter 4 and verse 4, right after the book of Hebrews. James chapter 4 and verse 4. Speaking to Christians, ye adulterers and adulteresses. And he's not talking about physical adultery, he's talking about heart adultery. Where somebody claims to love God, claims to follow Jesus, and yet really is following everything else in the world. It really is more in love with what they see with their eyes, and what they can handle with their hands, what they can taste with their tongue. And and James says, ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity. Enmity means is warfare with God. Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Those are Christians. John, Gospel of John, chapter 3. Back to the left. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, chapter 3. Mankind is in trouble with God. John, chapter 3, verse 18. I don't know. No verse verse thirty six verse thirty six. He that believeth on the Son on Jesus has what kind of life? Hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son, well, I don't believe all that stuff. Okay, fine. Shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. It's like a, it's like somebody's got your, got you on CCTV camera. Down in um, you're down in Debenhams, and you you know you see something nice and you put it in your pocket or whatever and you try to walk out and they got you on camera and as soon as you walk out you see two guys following you <laughs> and they're walking up uh, onto Patrick Street with you and they're saying hey hey come back here and you start to walk they have your number they're coming after you and ever since we folks ever since we were born we have done nothing but being seen by God to do our own thing. To do things against God, to hurt people, to hurt, to, to hurt ourselves. We have done everything wrong, and God's seen it, and He's saying, I'm coming. I'll get you. We're under the wrath of God. And the truth is, most people do not know how to be at peace with the world around them. Somebody did a somebody counted up, and I remember reading. A study enlisted all of the wars of the 20th century. How many remember the 20th century? It was 19 years ago. (laughs) All the wars of the 20th century, when they added them all up, did you know that there were more wars in 100 years, just the last 100 years, than there were in all of history before? I think people are, they don't know peace. People don't even know how to have peace with themselves. I think it's scary when somebody hates themselves. Would you agree? There are people right now who are trying to change what they are. They're not happy with who they are. There is a guy over in India who is suing his parents for having him born without his consent. Okay, that's weird. You'd imagine that is on some Jerry Springer talk show type. And, you know, it's just fake, it's fraud, but that's real. There is a mindset that says, I don't want to be here. And My parents made me be born people who don't even know how to have peace with themselves. So thank God that Jesus, God made peace with us. And you know, God made peace with sinners like us, not by ignoring our wrongdoing. I remember my son, you know what he said to Nita and I? This is Joel. Joel was brilliant. He said, well, if you didn't have a rule about it, I wouldn't get in trouble. Remember that? They went, Joel, you're homeschooled, but you're not that dumb. Come on. We have to have rules. Well, Dad, if you just didn't make it wrong, I wouldn't be doing wrong. It's like, no. <laughs> See, God cannot just say, no, no, that's not sin anymore. Amen? God can't just say, I know that used to be wrong under the Old Testament. I know that used to be. No, no, no. God doesn't ignore wrongdoing. He doesn't change his laws to allow for sin now. As I said last week, there are some wicked religious leaders who believe that abortion is blessed of God. They're not saved and they're not right in the head. They're people who think that all that has changed. Don't go by the Bible. Go by people's needs. I'm not feeling very peacemaking right now. You know what God did? He paid for our sin personally. And then, you know, the second thing he did? He changes us personally. Do you know what Jesus Christ offers? To come into a wretch like me. To live in me. He not only paid for my sin, he then says, I would like to come in and help you change so that your desires aren't all the flesh anymore, but that your desires are for the Spirit so that you can do right. Aren't you glad that God doesn't just say, do this, don't do that. He says, this is the right way, and I'll walk with you, I'll carry you, I will strengthen you, I will be with you. God, that God didn't just walk away from us, He is the peacemaker in His Son. Jesus is our peace. Who's the first person we need to be at peace with? Not ourselves. You cannot deal with your own problems about yourself. I don't care if you have spots, I don't care if you're short. I'm looking at all these kids in our church, and every one of them is getting taller than me. I feel short, it's terrible. But I don't, but people have all of these issues about everybody else. You can't fix your perceptions and your your hurts by other people until you deal with God first. Jesus is is the peace that we need between us and God. Then he fixes our peace with other people, especially the brethren. Then he fixes our relationship with ourselves and ultimately even with our enemies, which we'll talk about next week. Go to Romans chapter 4 and verse 25. Romans 4. In verse 25, look at verse 24. "But But for us also, to whom it shall be imputed, talking about his righteousness being transferred to our account, if we do or what? If we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered, Jesus was delivered to death for our offenses, and he was raised again for our justification, our forgiveness. Nothing you do will bring peace into your life. Jesus did it all. Jesus is the reason why you and I can claim God to be our father. Amen? And I can call you brethren and sister sisters. Go to Ephesians chapter 2. You're in Romans. Go to the right. Find Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 11. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11. I'm going to read down to verse 19 bit by bit. I want to just comment on this amazing work that Jesus did as our peacemaker. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11. Wherefore, remember that ye, who's he talking to? Us being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, that's what, is, uh, that's what Irish are, Americans, none of us are Jews, but in being in time past Gentiles in the flesh who, were, who are called uncircumcision, that was a derogatory term, meaning you're not Jew, you're called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hand. So those who are circumcised were demeaning those who are uncircumcised. Verse 12, That at that time, ye, us, Gentiles, were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope, without God in the world. That was us. Verse 13. But now, in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh. What does it mean to be made nigh? You're drawn close. By the shed blood of Christ, by that blood that was shed like a sacrifice. The Old Testament, uh, all of those lambs were a picture of the coming Son of God, who His blood was shed to make peace between us and God. Verse 22, verse 14, read this. For He is our peace, who hath made both now one, and hath broken down the middle of all, of all a partition between us, between us and God. He took the Jews over here, He took the Gentiles over here, He made them one christian you know what i no longer am gentile i'm no longer a texan yeah i was born in texas yeah i was born in america but you know what i am i'm a christian the moment i got born again i got a better citizenship here's a jew the jew says i've got the old testament i've got the law i was circumcised i was a hebrew i was a pharisee all of a sudden that jew gets saved you know what that jew says i'm a christian no longer. That wall of partition between these two people groups was broken down. Those two were made one, and the wall between them and God was broken down. And that new man in Christ, a new creature in Christ, now is in the family of God. Because Jesus is our peace. Look at verse 15. Having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that's our the war, even the law of all the commandments contained in ordinances all those things that were against us, for to make in himself of twain, Jew and Gentile, one new man, so making what? So he made peace. Verse 16, and that he might reconcile both to be able to put Jew and Gentile together in a church. Can you imagine? There are people, here comes Tunde today. Tunde starts talking in Yuyuba. Am I saying it right? Yuyuba? How do you say your, your language? Yuyuba, I can't say it right even that. He's showing off in, in this fancy language, and he says, no more English. <laughs> <laughs> you know what God has done? He took, look at 15, 16 different cultures. People normally, you white boy. you tried to ruin our country. Yeah, we did. I have no respect for you, and I don't blame you. You know what? In this church, as brethren, we're family now, amen? amen. Hallelujah. He took people that would be at each other's throats, and we're family Only God can do that. Hallelujah, amen. He can take people on two different sides of the street. Your dog's always in my my garden. (laughs) Well, your kid broke my window last year in our shed. Come on. Jesus is our peace. He can put a whole bunch of people who have every reason not to get along and get us to get along. Isn't that a miracle? Amen. Let's keep reading. Verse 16, that he might reconcile both Jew and Gentile unto God in one body by what? By the cross, verse 16, having slain the enmity. It's kind of a cute way of saying, he killed war. He slew, he defeated our animosity between us and God. Thereby, and Jesus, he came and preached peace to you, us Gentiles, which were so far off, man, I wasn't looking for God. I wasn't interested in the Bible. I didn't believe the Bible. I thought the Bible was just a book written by religious people. It's just a whole pile of of, uh, religious writings there. And somebody gave me the gospel and told me, no, 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 you don't know Jesus. Preach peace to you which were far off, and to them Jews that were nigh, verse 18, for through him, Jesus, we now both have access by one Spirit unto the Father. Now therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners, verse 19, but fellow citizens with the saints, with all the saints, in the household of God. Go to Colossians. Go to the right. Go to Colossians chapter 1. We're almost done. In verse 20. Here's a summary of all of those verses. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 20. there's anything you can brag on, it's the fact that Jesus took two enemies, two direct opposites, me and God, and brought us together. Look at verse 20. And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile how many things? Can God fix anything? He can reconcile. I love reconcile. One person not even looking at the other person. And by him he can reconcile all things unto himself. By him I say whether they be things in earth or things even in heaven and you that were sometime alienated from each other and enemies in your mind by wicked works yet even now hath he reconciled. You know what God calls his son? The prince of Isn't that cool? We were talking about it yesterday in the men's prayer breakfast. You know what Jesus, when he got on the bow of that ship and he looked at that storm, you know what he said? Peace be still. You know, he did that to prove that he could bring peace. Even in your storm. Even in your family. Even in your mind and your heart. He can actually bring peace to your past and even your future. Jesus literally is our peace. That's why we need peacemakers now. We're called to be peacemakers because the gospel, somebody says, What's the gospel? The gospel is that Jesus laid down his life to make peace between God and sinners. When we take that message of peace to others, we become that. You know, when you just take a gospel track, and I like, I'm going to use um, uh, David. Uh, Murphy here. David Murphy takes out tracks quite regularly and he's out walking down at the park and stuff. And he stops somebody, says, Have you seen this? Have you have you read one of these yet? You know what David Murphy's doing right then? He's making peace. Go to Romans chapter ten. Romans chapter ten. Romans chapter ten. Now the people he's talking to thinking he's making an argument. (laughs) But he's actually introducing people to the gospel. Romans chapter 10 and verse 15. How shall they preach except they be sent as it is written? How beautiful are the feet of David. Murphy. I haven't looked at his feet lately and I really don't want to. But God says they're beautiful, okay? So I'll take his word for it. How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of... Isn't that marvelous? And bring glad tidings of good things. Those who bring, let me say this: those who bring reconciliation to broken relationships are carrying on the work of Jesus, who is the Prince of Peace. And the truth is, uh, I think I said that God calls peacemakers beautiful. We just read that in Isaiah 52 is the verse where it comes from. Those who give themselves, give of themselves as peacemakers, are called blessed. So who are the peacemakers in this room this morning right now? I'll tell you who they are. They are the soul winners who Paul calls ambassadors for Christ, who ask people to be reconciled to God, who give them the gospel, who explain, who take the time and tell them God wants them. I'll tell you this. One of the key things that that helped me understand the gospel was when I don't think uh, Maureen Smith you know, uh, went to a class on evangelism or learned all the ins and outs. She just was very practical and she looked at me and she said some things that I'll never forget that stuck with me until I did get saved. She said, you know, and she said a lot of things, but she said, you know, Craig, you may not realize it, but the cross proves that God wants you. Jesus Christ didn't die for good people because there are none. He died for sinners. And that cross proves he wants you. And if you were the only person on this planet, he still would have had to have come and died and would have looked out and said, Father, forgive him. And it caught my attention. I mean, God wants me? I don't want him. But it got my attention. Who are the peacemakers in the room? They're the ones who take gospel tracts and they hand out and they say, be reconciled to God. Realize God wants you. Bible teachers in this room, people who help out over there in, in, in children's church, who spend time with the kids, you know what you're doing? You are... Helping kids know that the devil may come and try to rip them apart and rip them into the life of the world and they're in there trying to say, no, God wants you. Stay reconciled to God. And if you ever do fall away, God says there's a way home. It's called grace. That prodigal son found out he could go home. Amen. And every child learning that can know what? You know what? I will fail and God will take me back. There is a thing about when we teach the Bible, we're teaching about a God who tries to make peace. There is coming a day where it'll all be over and you will face the judgment of God. But aren't you glad that is not today? You can still get, if you're still breathing, there is hope. Amen? Who are the peacemakers in this room? They're the people who stand up here. I'm looking forward to Bruce Fry preaching. I love it when Andrew preaches. I love when anybody's preaching. You know what they're doing? They're trying to get you and God back right. Amen? Every time down at RU, there's Tony. He's pouring out his heart. Or whether it's Andrew preaching or whether it's... Darren preaching, or whether it's Paul Layton preaching, you know what they're doing? They're making they're they're peacemakers trying to make things right between that person who's under the bondage of their sin, the bondage of their addiction, trying to say, you can be reconciled. Peacemakers. Hmm. You know, truth that you need to con- contemplate. Number one, fences are always gonna happen. <laughs> There's always going to be war. There's always going to be conflict. Always going to be tensions and controversies. It's how this world is. and Not how the kingdom of God is, but it's how this world is. Peacemakers resemble their father. There's a great truth about peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Hmm. You know, uh, if you ever want to be like Jesus, if you ever want to be godly, You'll care about others. You go out of the way to make things right if everything's wrong between you and a brother, or especially between them and God. Because that makes you like God. And people go, boy, that person's very different. I want to say this. Anyone can be a peacemaker. You just need to follow Christ's example. You just need to be careful about what you say. You know, a counselor doesn't just join in (laughs) to the argument. Counselor weighs what they say. You know what? You don't have to go and pay money for a counselor. You can be the counselor. You can be a peacemaker. You can just carefully say something to help. And you know, in your argument, you don't even have to have a third person. The two of you, you and somebody else arguing, you know what you need to do? Be careful what you say. (laughs) Some of the greatest advice anybody ever gave me and I've ever read is, not everything that comes into your head needs to be said. Amen. Anyone can be a peacemaker. Peacemakers are more than tolerant. They're trying to please the Lord. You know what the Bible says? In Proverbs chapter 16, it says, when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. If you ever want to make a difference in somebody's life, you're not doing it just to make them happy or make things better between you and them. You're trying to get them to please God. And you're trying to do it. So here's the great truth. Make the first move. Get involved in helping people get saved. Get involved in in ministering to other people, listening and helping. Go to RU, sit there and realize there's a great ministry in 12 Weeks to Freedom that where you can help somebody be reconciled to God. You make the first move. If You ever find yourself in an argument? Make peace. Drop the weapons. Stop saying what you feel like saying and make the first move. That's a peacemaker forgive fast and completely. That's what you're trying to do. If two people are in an argument, you've got to get forgiveness in there fast or else it's not going to be fixed. And if there's any unforgiveness in your heart, forgive fast and completely. Go to Ephesians 5.18. Eight, 5, Go to the right, Ephesians 5 and verse 18. Ephesians 5.18 says, and be not drunk with wine, where everybody turns to when they're in conflict. You ever notice that? <laughs> Why are you down here at the pub at two in the morning? Why don't you go home? Well, if I go home, all hell's going to break loose. Give me, another, give me another drink. So be not drunk with wine, where is always excess, but be what? Filled with the Spirit. Why? Because the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. Next one, peace. Don't try to do it on your own. Depend upon the filling of the power of the Holy Spirit. And let me just be real plain. The truth about peacemakers is they're always constantly having to make peace with others. Peter, let me just read for you this in Matthew 18. Then came Peter to Jesus and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Till seven times? Please say only seven. And Jesus said unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven some of you are going i don't have enough fingers <laughs> 490 times what is jesus telling peter peter you're going to have to forgive people a lot so peacemakers don't have it all figured out they don't live where they don't have problems no they're constantly having to make peace with other people all the time too and just forgive there's three blessings of being a peacemaker number 1 you have a great testimony to the world. They'll be, you'll be called the children of God. You'll, you know what James and John were known as? The sons of thunder! <laughs> that means they got in some fierce arguments. But you know, they changed. They became the sons of God. It's a great testimony to the world to be a peacemaker. People know you have love one for... Uh, you, you people know that you are my disciples. If you have love one for another, not conflict, You'll have a lasting work in the world, which means you can give back life where there was war and death. You can help resurrect dead marriages and broken homes and a strange relationship. And it lasts because it's a work of God. And you have I believe it's the best work in the world. If you ever got to lead your children to Christ, it'll floor you, it'll thrill you. You you just went, man, this is the most priceless thing. It will bless your home when the parents get to lead their children to Christ, faith in Christ. Then, if you ever get to be there, when somebody says, I read your leaflet, it made sense to me, can I get saved now? And you you go, sure, I I don't know what to do. On the back it just says, cry out to God with all your heart, ask him to save you. And he bows his head right there and he says, dear God, I know I'm a sinner. God, I wish I could, could be good enough, but I know I'll never be good enough. I know I deserve help, please save me. I read into the track and I believe it would just save me now. You know what your eyes will be just You'll want to quit your job and go soul winning full time. That's what I did. It it is the best work in the world to help people get right with God and get saved and live for God. It's great test great blessing to being a the peacemaker. There's three kinds of people in this room. Can you remember them? The peace breakers, the peace fakers and the peacemakers which one are you I think it is super difficult being a peacemaker I'm not going to tell you it's easy but according to Jesus Christ they are a special kind of people because they're following a perfect peacemaker Jesus Christ I just ask you to to make the first move you know I think you got to understand God already made the first move with you didn't he He didn't ask you to become good so he could save you. What did he do? While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So he's already made the first move, hadn't he? So any other conflict from then on that you experience or that you're involved in or that you can be involved in, you make the first move. Don't wait for them to invite. Don't wait for them to ask. You get in there and say, listen, I've been praying and I don't know if I can help, but I'm available. I'd like to help. That is freaky. But blessed are the, not peace, fakers but peacemakers. Show people how to forgive fast and completely. Realize, always realize, dear Christian, your need for the filling power of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. As I do, I'm going to ask you something before I pray. Every head bowed and your eye closed. Let me ask you. <clears throat> Not really, this message wasn't about whether you were right or wrong with God. This message wasn't really whether you are saved or lost, whether you're born again or you're just Live in your old way, the way you've always done. But i got to stop and ask you, are you right with God? Is Jesus the Lord of your life? Has he saved you? Kind of crazy if you've got all these hang-ups with God, and you won't realize he's trying his best to make things right. He made it right not by all these expectations of you. He made it right by him keeping all the expectations of perfection and taken the punishment for all your wrongdoing. That's called grace. God became a man so he could die in your place. If you think that you can find something better than that, have at it. But if today could be any day, today would be the great, best day for you to finally say, Lord Jesus, I want to be saved. I want to be reconciled to you. I want to know what it means to, be, to walk with you, to talk with you, to know you're in me. You're just... You just don't want to be in heaven. You want to dwell in the heart of every believer by faith. So I ask you now, would you be reconciled to God yourself? All you have to do is ask him, cry from your heart. You say, I don't don't have all the answers. You don't have to have all the answers. You just need Jesus Christ. You know what he did for you. Will you believe it and allow it to be enough? Dear Christian, let me say, if you've got anything against anybody else in this planet, you gotta make things right. You gotta try. They may not want you to, but you've got to try. Your pride won't let you, but let me tell you what, the Holy Spirit inside of you is screaming, Let's make this right. Is there anybody you're at odds with? You don't you say, Well, it's not that I got a problem no, yeah, you do. You had a problem with them. You don't respect them, you don't talk to them, and you need to make things right. Be the first to make the move, be a peacemaker, and get in the habit of it because our world needs us to be peacemakers, not fakers. Lord Jesus, I just, I've done my best, but now up to you to fill in the gaps, fill all the holes, and make sure it's very easily understood that for our peace in Christ, everything can be fixed. Pray God our homes would be different because we want the blessings of peace. But it's not going to happen accidentally. It doesn't happen by magic. It happens by us putting in the effort, humbling ourselves, forgiving a lot, and making peace. In Jesus' name, amen.